When Dean Allen asked me to speak uh, tonight, I did what every new commencement speaker should do. I Googled top commencement speeches. David Copeland's voice is amplified throughout the United Supermarkets arena. He stands on a stage at a wooden podium with a thin black microphone. Before him sit students in identical black gowns and puffy hats with long yellow tassels. As I expect with most of you, it was my parents who equipped me for the challenge. It's graduation day, May of 2018, and David is delivering the keynote speech for the graduates of the Texas Tech School of Law. David's story is uniquely inspiring. More than 40 years ago, he said in his own commencement ceremony for this very school. He may have graduated on that day in 1982, but his presence within the halls of the law school has never left. Neither of my parents finished high school. My dad didn't finish junior high, but they worked hard to make a life and they worked in multiple jobs to make sure that my older brother and I got an education. I think for them that meant graduating high school, but we were the first in our extended family to graduate college. At just 24, he had already overcome every odd stacked against him. High school graduate, college graduate, preparing for the bar, now ready to take the world by storm, law degree in hand. Tonight, I wanna to share with you three things I've learned on my journey that I think could inspire you as you start yours. David holds fast to the three P's. People, passion, and purpose. Pursue your purpose and don't lose sight of it. This isn't just part of his graduation speech. It's how he's built his life. A life that started on that day when he walked the stage, accepted his diploma before venturing out onto a career path that would change his future and his family for generations to come. It's David's purpose to make that same future possible for students who share a bit of his own story. This is our seventh and final episode, The Three Ps. This university has been home to hundreds of thousands of students over the last 100 years. And for most, it's not just the place they get a degree. They might find their calling in life, their future spouse or friendships they'll carry forever. They might get that internship that leads to a first job. And it doesn't matter how long they might be gone. Being back on campus will always make you feel something. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell me your name, your title here at Texas Tech, and how long you've been here. Byron Kennedy. Uh, I'm the Vice President for Advancement here at Texas Tech University. Or in Byron Kennedy's case, that feeling is what brought him back to Tech. He has two degrees from here. He walked alongside his wife as she earned her doctorate and became a professor in the Davis College. They're sharing their life together, raising their family on this campus. When we meet with him, he's a week shy of celebrating 15 years of employment at Texas Tech. In 2008, Byron got his law degree with aspirations of working in financial and estate planning. And if you'll remember, uh, 2008, the, end of the whole economy fell apart, and there were too many lawyers, and there for sure wasn't a whole lot of wealth that needed to be managed. And so I found myself as a young lawyer, tech grad, um, and the job that I was able to identify and was happy to, uh, to take was uh, general counsel to the Texas Tech Foundation. He'd go on to have a couple of different roles within the system until he was named the VP for Advancement in 2018. 
You might not be familiar with what the Office of Advancement is or what it does, but put simply, our job is to go out and seek investment in the institution and its goals, most often from individuals, but also corporations, foundations, even in forms of sponsorships and uh, economic development dollars. Our job is to translate the good work of the university to people who might have an interest in funding it. Okay, so finish this sentence then. Um, Donors, donor dollars at Texas Tech support what? At the end of the day, they support people. I mean, I think Texas Tech's the place that we're lucky that we're comprehensive enough to have almost any type of programming that a person could want. But I think at the end of the day, what distinguishes Texas Tech, and I think is really our our deep identity, is it's still a, a very personable place. I mean, there's still an expectation that students know faculty, that faculty knows staff, that staff knows students. And there has very rarely been a time, and I actually can't think of anywhere, a donor's investment doesn't ultimately land on a person and make things better than it was before. And I think that may be the most gratifying part of the work. There are countless ways that advancement empowers this university to operate at its maximum potential, to power ahead and become more of what it's designed to be. 2022 was a record year for fundraising. A total of $234 million was given to fund dozens of different projects, new buildings, new research, enhancements to the student experience and scholarships. In that year, more than $34 million went directly to scholarships to help students graduate with as little debt as possible. You might be listening to me saying these huge numbers and you're like, why should I care? I mean, I get it. I'm not in a place to give millions of dollars to anyone. But don't miss the point here. What's important to know is that a lot of these gifts, they're small, but together they add up to something big, something impactful. Think about this. There are more than 240,000 Texas Tech graduates. If at some point in their lives, half of them gave $100 to student scholarships, that's $12 million for students. Imagine the difference that would make, the burden that would be lifted from the shoulders of an 18, 19, 20-year-old student. Reducing even one student's debt may make it easier for them to buy their first home, to start a family, to purchase their first car. According to the Education Data Initiative, student loan debt in the U.S. totals around $1.8 trillion, with the average debt balance as high as $40,000. That's no small amount. But these donors, they're helping to lower that statistic. And that is a pretty big deal. Hi, my name is Glennis Young. I'm the editor of Texas Tech's Evermore Magazine. In our office, we're driven by stories. They might be written or through photos or video, through podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. And as storytellers, we believe it's a privilege to bring people together through shared experiences. It's what Fearless does, and it's what Evermore does. Be part of the journey with us as we uncover all the ways Texas Tech is proving that from here it's possible. And if you're interested in learning more about Evermore, visit today.ttu.edu slash Evermore. It's true what they say. This place gets in your blood and it stays there. When inspired people inspire others, it sparks passion and reinforces a vision. It's what people like Chris Huckabee and his family have always felt. Their ties to Texas Tech are strong, but even stronger 
is their passion for the success of our students in this university. This very generous gift from the Huckabee family marks a new optimistic day for the architecture program. This is a life-changing moment, not only for our students, but also for our faculty, staff, and the College of Architecture and Texas Tech family at large. It's November 2022. A podium is mounted on a stage at the center of a room inside the College of Architecture. Next to the podium at mid-stage, an enormous black cloth has been hoisted to cover a sign surrounded with metallic red, silver, and black balloons. Good morning. I'm blown away that all of you are here. I need to start this morning by making a few very uh, special introductions uh, of, of some folks. Chris got his degree in architecture from tech. He served as a regent until 2021. Standing at the podium, he looks out on the crowd taking in the hundreds of people packed shoulder to shoulder to be part of this day. Tommy actually grew up in a construction family and decided as a young man that he wanted to be the first person in his family to go to college. He begins with a story about a man who has shaped his life since the very beginning. Unfortunately, Tommy was only able to go to college for about one year and he just simply ran out of money. And in those days, access to college loans or scholarships, was, it was just limited. He just didn't really have a lot of options. So he went to work for an architecture firm in Lubbock. And in those days, you could apprentice and then sit for your exams. So he completed his apprenticeship, and he took his architectural registration exams. And after passing, he founded Huckabee in 1967 with a focus on educational design. Tommy felt if he could not have an education, that he could do his best to contribute to others so they could accomplish their goals. Chris goes on to talk more about his dad, how his business would evolve into a highly respected firm that was a reflection of Tommy's own character and work ethic. How over time, Tommy and his wife Sylvia, Chris's mom, would fund college educations for countless students. They're just private people that believe in helping others because it's the right thing to do. Tommy might have seen his 19-year-old self displayed in those students. It might have been his vision for the future of architecture, to have more capable young people filling the industry. Or perhaps his own passion was taking shape, to provide access to deserving students. First, it's our hope that it will help more first-generation students attend and complete architecture school. We hope that the Huckabee... Uh, I will clap for that. Thank you. We hope that the Huckabee College of Architecture will become the number one architecture college in the nation for first-generation student graduates. This family has so positively influenced this college and this university for so many years. It's a family with a long and storied history at Texas Tech, beginning with Tommy. That's Lawrence Skubanek. He gets to be the one to make the announcement that we're all here for. The College of Architecture will now be named the Huckabee College of Architecture. It's in honor of that family who has found that people are the true fuel to their passion. The Huckabee family will see their investment go to provide scholarships to first-generation students who are pursuing architecture degrees from Texas Tech. And they're using architecture and interior design students and alumni to help renovate the building. After the press conference, the family is led into another room just down the hall. 
Black pipe and drape are slung over the walls and window. A dozen chairs sit in front of a separate, much smaller stage. Tommy and Sylvia find seats reserved for them on the front row and chat quietly as others begin to file in. Softly, pomp and circumstance begins to play, the famous commencement tune. Tommy smiles and turns around as five men dressed in graduation regalia enter the room in a single file line. And it dawns on him. This is a personal graduation ceremony for him. You know the story. Tommy attended but never graduated from college. He finally gets his degree, and it's the first diploma printed with the college's new name, the Huckabee College of Architecture. The family is adamant. Their legacy, their gift, the influence of their patriarch. It's in the number of students that might have more opportunity through access to scholarships and resources. It's in the number of scholarships provided to give the financial opportunity that Tommy didn't have as a young person. It's his way of giving back. There are more chances than ever for students to get financial support with scholarships and grants. Students from all walks of life, hometowns, future endeavors and aspirations, they can find the support they need to fund and fuel their college experience. Former professor and Taiwanese native Wang Shu Chow is meeting university president Lawrence Skuvenek for the first time. Chow was a professor on campus back in the early 80s, back when Lawrence was also a professor in the math department. So they were your students? Yeah. Uh, did Chow supply us a scholarship come from Taiwan? Mm-hmm. So that's why we landed in Texas Tech. That's Ming Chang. Ming and another former student, C.S. Lee, are on campus for the first time in years. Each of them has their own story of arriving at Texas Tech from Taiwan. They share similar degrees in engineering and a mutual love and respect for their former professor. After they meet with the president, we sit down to talk with them about their time at Texas Tech. By the way, Kishu Liu is calling in for this interview. He's another former student of Professor Chow, who lives in Plano with his family. I love Tech. I really want to go to Tech. Can you give me the scholarship? <laughs> so he wrote me a letter. He said, yes, I will offer you the scholarship, but you need to pass the GIE. What he's talking about is an exam for non-native English speakers. And he passed. When he came to Texas Tech, he had $50 and two briefcases. They held everything he owned. He knew that the only way he could come to Tech was with financial aid. And Professor Chow helped make that a reality for Liu, Lee, and Chang, and for other students over the years. The more you give, the more you are able to give. Mm -hmm. That's C.S. Lee you hear, saying the more you give, the more you're able to give. He tells this story of how years ago, his daughter was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. She was young. They were devastated. She was only given a few months to live. Then somehow, miraculously, the tumor disappeared. They operate on her, and the doctor come out and said, I don't know what the x-ray and CAT scan showed. It wasn't there. So, I'm happy. I am uh, uh, grateful. Then I start to use the opportunity to practice philanthropy. Mm-hmm. I believe philanthropy is the same as the 
practice tithe in the church. It was a miracle. They were overwhelmed with gratitude and relief. That was the beginning of their journey as a family to give. He started an endowed scholarship for the nurses at the children's hospital that cared for her, that witnessed this incredible thing with their family. After that experience, Lee started thinking about other moments in his life that shaped him. People who made their mark, who created a shift in his current path, or who took a chance on him. And he started thinking a lot about his time at Tech, that professor who didn't have to invest so much time and effort in him, but did anyway. It ultimately led to the creation of the Endowed Scholarship for Professor Chow. It was a shared effort by Liu, Lee, and Chang, three people, three former students who say they never could have become Red Raiders without Chow. They say it was the best way they could think to honor and celebrate this man's perseverance, to help provide more education for graduate students. The money comes from our retirement fund. Uh huh. So, how comfortable you feel about give up some of your in retirement fund while you still pretty young, and that's uh, that's a faith. It's a very good uh, experience for me. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, we all do this out of our heart. There's no pressure, and uh, we did it willingly and gladly to to honor our lifelong mentor, teacher. Mm-hmm. I really want to say thank you to Miss Chow too. She really took care of us. This to me is the greatest honor, to be honored by three of these gentlemen. In our profession, uh, the main product is student. If the students turn around and try to do something for their professors, I think this is the ultimate honor in our profession. So I really appreciate all three of them. And I'm really glad to see their loyalty to the Texas Tech and to the ECE department. We hear people talk a lot about the American dream. And I love how the definition of that can look different depending on who you are. As a kid growing up in Taiwan, Kishu, C.S. Lee, and Ming Chang, they thought mature thoughts about their future and life. Those thoughts led to conversations about making them happen. It's what connected them with Professor Chow, who would be like their personal shining beacon of hope. So years after these students earned engineering degrees, they'd become successful businessmen. They'd help build companies and serve on boards in their home country. Now, as they stand on campus, there's this moment of reflection, considering the moments that defined them as people, the place it all happened, and maybe most importantly, the person who ignited this passion to begin with. In looking back over time, they see how they've been shaped into leaders, innovators, the ones who changed and transformed million-dollar companies. It's that gratitude that keeps them coming back and to be living truths that to whom much is given, much is required. It's spring 1974, and a young David Copeland sits in class at Iowa Park Junior High near Wichita Falls. He's quiet at his desk, listening to his math teacher review the lesson. He's young, but he knows that math is not quite his strongest subject. 
He pays attention, asks questions when necessary, and he gets through it. He gives math his attention now, but he's always known that his future career path is in another area entirely. I do remember, and I've spoken about this before, that there was a lawyer in my little hometown of Iowa Park, Mr. Newman, and uh, he wore the white short sleeves, you know, business shirt with a black tie and his horn rim glasses. And I looked up to him and just as some, I didn't know him, but someone that, you know, looked like he, you know, did something I was interested in. That Mr. Newman certainly made a mark. David admits that he hadn't ever talked to Mr. Newman, but that junior high interest in the classic 70s business attire and general appeal, it was real. David says he remembers that his parents worked really hard and they raised David to do the same. He was eight years old when he got his first job. Neither of my parents graduated high school, so they were keenly interested in their sons getting an education, which for them, I think, meant graduate high school. So I was first-generation college. My older brother went to college and graduated. I think we're maybe the only two of about 20-something cousins in our, in our generation there that went, went and finished college. That work ethic carried him to the oil field, where he worked alongside his dad during breaks and summers while he attended tech. But I remember... The day I was working with my dad in a driving rainstorm in an, on an oil field job, thinking, I am glad I'm going to law school. <laughs> mm -hmm. David learned a lot about the industry during that time in the oil field from the people he worked alongside. And he continued to let his dad impart his wisdom about life and work and family. So he returned to campus to complete law school. He met his wife, studied for and passed the bar. He was wading in uncharted water for himself and his entire family. It was um, scary, I'm sure, something new. I, I, there were no lawyers in my family. Um, I'm not sure I'd ever spoken to a lawyer at that time in my life, even Mr. Newman. After taking up his first job in Midland, David settled in, started doing what he'd been trained to do. He found his niche, working in oil and gas, and he was thriving. He and his late wife started a family, and over time, his business would blossom. He's made his company known on a global level, making energy and energy-related transactions worth billions to Turkey, Canada, Australia, Indonesia, and more. He tells the story of one day years ago, the dean of the law school at the time showed up for an appointment at his company in Midland. And if you know Walt, he was the first graduate to come back as dean of the school. And may know this, he was a general in the JAG. And when he says something, it sounds like an order. And he said, your law school needs you. David says that he felt like Walt awakened something in him. David had always loved, advocated for, supported Texas Tech and the School of Law. It's what made him. But this meeting with Walt inspired something deeper. It was a call to action and one that he didn't take lightly. It was probably the gala about three years ago, kind of at the beginning of the law school gala. Mm -hmm. um, there was a focus on first-generation students, and I read some of their testimonials, I call, I call them, in the, the Tech Law School magazine that came out. And that's when I first started thinking about doing something to, to offer some support and encouragement to people like that. So that idea kind of bubbled around in the back of my head for a while and started talking to the dean about it. And this was my idea, but I said, if you need me to support something else, tell me. And he, uh, Dean Nowlin is first generation college and therefore law school as well. So he was keen on that idea. David and about 15 other alumni come together every year to fund a scholarship geared toward first generation law school students. Over the years, dozens of students have benefited. 
I know what it was like to pay bills. And I was never hungry, uh, but I didn't have extra money. And this, I'm hopeful that this, these scholarship dollars enable people to do something they think they can't do. And that's get here, survive here, get out of here, and go serve. It makes perfect sense that David's life and success are rooted in and established in the gritty, tough, laborious work that defines the oil field. I think about the hands that calloused over the years, working in the field alongside his dad, and the eight-year-old boy who learned hard work the hard way, the real way. I think he'd be proud of who David is today and how many people he's helped. Those who work in the Office of Advancement on campus will say they see their work as something that connects people with passion and purpose. They often talk about how, yeah, it's investment of finances, but also in time or support or resources. Sometimes that shows up in a new lab space for training engineers or physicians. Sometimes it's in an athletic facility for teams that generate national attention to our campus. And sometimes it's in finding that one student, that one professor, who will go on to make a difference in the lives of others. I think it's really the invitation to partner, right? I think it's people using their resources to say, this thing is worthy of an investment of my treasure, of my time, of my um, my hopes and ambitions. And Texas Tech and the education that we provide, I think continues to, to, to be that for people. Texas Tech is a place for anyone who sees good work that happens here and wants to be part of it. Byron says that the university benefits from thousands of gifts each year. And you might only hear about the big ones, but the truth is that generous people are generous, regardless of their wealth. Impact isn't measured by the dollar amount, but rather the power of the collective. It's the power of us all together, the power of people and passion and purpose. Fearless is produced by the Texas Tech Office of Communications and Marketing. It's hosted and written by me, Taylor Peters, and co-produced by Allison Firth. Thomas Boyd is our audio engineer. He does sound design and edits this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the characters we talked about in today's episode, go to today.ttu.edu slash fearless. And don't forget to follow Texas Tech University on social media. Fearless is a Texas Tech production. From here, it's possible 